At Delta, we know Mike in 8C prefers reality TV to reality. So we provide more than 1,000 hours of in-flight entertainment. On the next flight, 8C is Mandy, a foodie. So we offer all types of food options. Because at Delta, everyone flies their own way. Delta, keep climbing. Life is a highway. And on it, there will be many chicken sandwiches. But there's only one crispy. So go ahead and hit the turn signal if you know about this juicy gem of a detour. I just came home from a, from what should have been a five and a half hour flight home from Boston Logan turned into a 17 hour <laughs> delay. Ordeal. And nobody wants to hear somebody complain about their travel. Like it's cathartic to complain about your travel, but the truth is unless something beyond unhinged happens, like a wing of the plane falls off, <laughs> people don't care and also are just ready to match you with their travel story about their delay. And so I won't go into it because I do believe for the most part, I have pretty consistent good travel. And I think every once in a while, the travel gods just get you, but then you're okay for a while. Yeah, but you had the whole crew this time. That was the problem is you were rolling deep. Yeah, the baby makes it. You're like, I guess we got to leave the airport because she's got to have some milk and go to bed. Um, But I mean, there are worse things in this world. Like big deal, you had to get a hotel. It delays your travel, but... uh, I took some lessons from it and I think I'll save it for my top and bottom of the cob because some crazy things happen. But uh, yeah, nobody really cares. Nobody's really signing up to hear about someone was rude and then a delay. Although the person who can burn forever is the woman who deliberately was breathing down my neck as we were getting off the plane and I hit her with my bag and then she like cursed me out, but under her breath. And I'm like, you saw I was traveling with five bags and a child and you deliberately stood right on top of me. I don't know what to tell you. I'm sorry if you don't understand personal space, you dumb fucking bitch. I hope you hear this. You won't. There's no way she listens to the pod. I was so angry that she twice got so close to me that I couldn't move and I had to knock into her Uh that after we got off the plane and she like mumbled, I didn't engage with her because I was just like, this person's obviously a giant loser. But I thought about I had a car pick me up and on the way out of the airport, I was like, if I see her standing on the curb, I'm this tired and angry that I might yell out. Hope you have enough space now, you fucking loser. But I didn't. I never did any of that. Because when push comes to shove, I'm all about standing up for yourself, but I'm not about like engaging with idiots. And I think at the core, I'm just like, how do I, I I don't care. Oh, you don't like that. You don't like me. Like, I don't care. You're wrong. And you're dumb and the rest of your life choices will support that. So fucking burn. Let's get into it. Okay. My move, my move on a packed Marta was always to, I wouldn't just hit someone. I would drill my my pointy little elbow in just as hard as I could slowly. Where? Like sitting next to them? Yeah. If somebody's like pressed up against you when you're standing in the subway or whatever, I would do a slow drill 
I'm not responsible for the mood that I'm in after a 17-hour travel day. Oh. But I do want to say that we started calling Tianfu Bashir. It's just one of the many I, names. You've I been calling her that for years, haven't you? Okay. No, Bashir is relatively new. And then in addition to Bashir, we've added Quilted Bashir. And in Soho, she used to be a choreographer and her name was Movement Bashir, the famous Persian choreographer. <laughs> My husband obviously has nothing to say about that. When I'm like, what if she was named Movement Bashir? He's like, I don't, sure. I don't know what to do with that. <laughs> anyway, so... We've got uh, we've got the answers to your questions. I don't know that I'm jet lagged, but I just if if you can be jet lagged in like a quantum physics space time way, like when are you, you know, versus where are you? But we got the answers. Hopefully, I'll have some clarity because I'm a little slower today. All right. Hi, everybody. Two extremely fun facts about me: I'm a fellow Emily, and I'm originally from Biptar. Is that a real <laughs> place? Ship it up to Biptar. Real ones, no. <laughs> I'm not a because real one. in my never-ending efforts to create my own language, bastardizing the English language, it was a couple years ago when I played Boston and you obviously do, uh, assigned the obligatory Dropkick Murphys shipping up to Boston song to it. But I would get so excited when I'd see it. I would sing shipping up to Biptar. I don't know why. And then we just, every, every city became some sort of Iptar. Ah, yes. Okay. It's all in coming this house. back to me now. I knew what you meant. Well, I am a huge fan of everything, Eliza, and I saw you in Austin last week, got a t-shirt and signed Polaroid. Now, I wanted to talk Ostar. to you actually very quickly. Ostar. You have very in interesting Textar. new merch. Um, this is courtesy of my new social media, on the, on the road social media guy, or I guess on the road content guy. He suggested this. He was like, I worked with this band and he would just take these very candid Polaroids backstage or throughout the day. He was like, and if you sign them, you could personalize them, but it's a special thing someone can buy and it's just the one. And I was like, let's give it a try. And they flew. Like, I was like, there's no way anybody wants this. They went, we sold the most. We sold that and Party Goblin tumblers. We sold a lot of stuff, but I thought it was very cool. So yeah, I'm going to do more of those. And we take them day of, sometimes hours before the show and they are available in a beautiful binder like you used to collect your pogs and slammers um, at the merch booth in addition to a lot of our other... Dope, cool stuff. So check it out. All right. I have a coworker that is a great work friend. Our desks are next to each other. And so we end up talking a lot, unless I'm listening to your podcast with my headphones in, trying to dry, drown out the world, LOL. He often brings things like coffee or small breakfast goodies for me and occasionally others. By often, I'm talking once or twice a week. We've talked about our, quote, love languages, and he has identified his as gift-giving. I enjoy the things he brings me, and I'm always happy for a free coffee, but I feel guilty about not reciprocating the act. I've brought him coffee once or twice over the year we've been working together, but I feel like I'm being forced into a corner where I have to do more to get to his level of generosity, even though that's not necessarily how I show I care about people. I'm fairly sure he does this out of some level of insecurity to try and make friends and show that he cares, and I can see a level of anxiety about it in that he plans for these days a week in advance. It's not just, oh, I went to get coffee this morning, so I got you one too. I feel like an asshole for complaining about getting gifts, but it is a bit overbearing and makes me feel inadequate in my role in the friendship since I can tell he would like it if I did the same. Additionally, this is not a flirtatious thing as we're both in happy long-term relationships. My question is, 
do I have to start bringing sure? in? <laughs> my question is, do I have to start bringing in goodies more often? Should I tell him he can cool no. with the gifts? Should I not change anything and keep letting him shower me with coffees? Yum, yum. Would love your take and thank you for everything you do for your fan. Kisses for all the teeny tiny fur babies. Emily. Kisses, yum, yum. <laughs> well, if it's his insecurity, he's probably going to still do it. And I don't know if, if, you're, if you're insecure about whatever, your position in the workplace. I don't think you do that hoping people will do it back. I think you do it hoping people like, oh, we love Scan, whatever his name is. So if you really like him not in a non-sexual way, you can simply say to him like, you can be like, hey, I, first of all, you, you could bring in your own coffee and be like, I'm just trying to be more eco-friendly. I'm good. You can also refuse it. And you can also be like, hey, um, I feel like you get me a lot of coffees. You don't have to. Like, you could just say it really like, super nice. Like, it's always so sweet, but I'm good. Like, I think there's a nicer way to do it. You definitely should not start buying coffees. This isn't like a coffee pool in the office where everyone does it. Don't do that. This is his own thing. God forbid he's ever like, why buy you coffee? Why don't you buy it for me? Especially if you've had the love language conversation, but you can simply just be like, you can also just say no thank you. I wonder if you're close enough, if you can be like, hey, yep, I right. feel really wildly in debt. Like, maybe not no, exactly like that. You could just be like, I feel so bad because I'm never going to bring coffee in. So I just want, I don't want you to think I don't love it, but I just want you to know I love you. Like, like that we're friends. Like, there's a way to say this. Because you don't want to be like, hey, are you feeling insecure? Is that something you tapped in on or is that something that he said? Because if he told that to you, then you can just keep taking those coffees. I mean, it sounds like, no, they've talked about the love language. His love language is gift giving. And it sounds like he is just a, he wants people to like him. But I, I think there does don't have to be, do I don't know. Only I, women feel this way. Only women, like you're taking on the burden of his insecurity, then let him bring it. And if you don't want to be like, hey, please don't bring me coffee this week. Like I've, I'm super caffeinated and I don't want you to think that you always have to get me one and see what he says. Like he might be too delicate about it, but you can also just be like, no coffee for me this week. I'm drinking it at home. I'm telling you, use the planet as an excuse. You want that free coffee though. You want the free coffee and you don't want to feel bad about it. So just don't like a man would. Yeah. Cause I would be, I would feel so bad. Or you could be a bitch about it and be like, yeah, just set it down. Thanks. And don't turn around from your computer. <laughs> and then at the end of the day, bring him the empty cup and be like, throw this out for me. Will you skipper? And then if you're close enough, you can be very honest, but yeah, I think you can just kind of shrug your way out of it. Just take your coffees. Don't feel obligated. Yeah. I'm more interested in where you got the insecure information. Cause that should tell you a lot. Mm. Because if he confided that in you, you can be like, I just want to let you know, like, I really like you and I I love that you bring me for coffee, but I don't want you to think you have to give me something for me to like you. That being said, I love the coffee, but we're cool either way. Right. If you're close like that. And then he'll be like, no, it's just... Uh. I think also so if he was like above you and he was bringing coffee for the team, it's like, oh, okay, you make more money than me, so I feel okay about this. But when somebody kind of makes the same amount as you or less, it does feel it's a lot weird. of coffee. Yeah. Like 50 bucks a week. <laughs> All the more reason to bring your own. Java time. It's no secret that fast fashion and the demand for fashion in general is helping to wreck our planet while introducing newly. 
Newly is a subscription clothing rental service. For just $98 a month, you get your choice of any six styles each month. Access to thousands of styles from more than 400 brands with inclusive sizing. And they have fast free shipping and returns and professional cleaning in Newly's state-of-the-art laundering facility. Plus the option to buy what you love. I gifted Newly to a friend whose daughter works in an office where you have to be presentable and it's trendy. She gets to try out stuff. She always looks fresh at work. She always looks cute. And when she's done with it, which we usually are after wearing something for a while, she can send it right back. Newly is a great value at $98 a month for any six styles. But right now you can get $20 off your first month of Newly when you sign up with the code ELIZA20. Just go to N-U-U-L-Y.com. That's Newly with two U's and enter the code ELIZA20 and sign up to get $20 off your first month. That's N-U-U-L-Y.com. Newly with two U's with code ELIZA20. Newly subscription clothing rental. Change your clothes. I'm busy and this time of year gets even busier. I've had my baby. I'm back to work. I'm at meetings. I'm on tour. I'm running around and I don't always have time to sit down for a meal with my family. Sometimes I get home from set so late and I just need to eat something nutritious and go to bed. And that's why I like Factors fresh, never frozen meals because they're dietitian approved and they're ready to eat in just two minutes. So no matter how busy I am, and I'm busy, I always have time to get a nutritious, great tasting meal. Factor has over 35 different meals and more than 60 add-ons to choose from every week. So I never get bored. I'm trying to do less meat in general and they have wonderful vegan and veggie options. I just made a vegan mushroom marsala and I made an onion risotto. Just because you're eating vegetarian doesn't mean you can't eat deliciously. It had roasted garlic green beans. It was scrumptious. Head to factormeals.com slash Eliza50 and use code Eliza50 to get 50% off your first box plus 20% off your next month. That's code Eliza50 at factormeals.com slash Eliza50 to get 50% off your first box plus 20% off your next month while your subscription is active. Well, it's finally happening. The weather is finally getting warmer. So it's time to say goodbye to the jackets and cozy sweaters we've been hibernating in all winter. And it's time to say hello, bonjour, to shorts and t-shirts. And if you've been wanting to update your wardrobe for the long haul without spending a fortune, Quince is for you. I talk about Quince a lot because I really believe in a sustainable capsule wardrobe. And there's no reason you can't have a sustainable, timeless wardrobe for every season. And Quince has got you covered with premium linen dresses, blouses and shorts from $30, washable, silk tops, hello. And the best part is all Quince items are priced 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Dressing well shouldn't break the bank. And Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing practices and premium fabrics and finishes. Look well. Get warm weather ready with Quince. Go to quince.com slash Eliza for free shipping on your order and 365-day returns. That's Q-U-I-N-C-E dot com slash Eliza to get free shipping and 365-day returns. Q-U-I-N-C-E dot com slash Eliza. Eliza and crew, big fan of the pod. I'm 25, female, and still getting settled in my career. I work in a small office, and one of my coworkers is a man, 50s, who has started to rub me the wrong way. A while ago, he brought noodles for lunch and let me try them. They were good, and so I said I was going to make that my payday tradition, and he made indication he would be interested in that too. The next payday, I told him I was getting noodles for lunch, and he said nothing, so I only got them for me. And when I got back, he asked where his was. And I said, he didn't ask for any or offer to send me money. He said, I'm always in for noodles. 
I told him I don't buy food for people unless they explicitly ask. The following week, lunchtime rolled around and he hadn't made any mention of it or talked to me all day. So I went out and ate something else. When I came back, I saw an email from him saying, what, no lunch today? When I told him I ate McDonald's, he made a derogatory comment about how it's not real food. He also made comments about me taking the easy way out in my education path, talks about his medical issues a lot and brags about his kid constantly. One time he came to my desk to chat. He loves to talk and manager walked by and asked him if he needed something to do. (laughs) I'm worried this looked bad on me too. I try to give it no oxygen and tell him I have errands to run every time he asks about noodles, but he continues to ask every week and doesn't take the hint. One time I told him straight up I wasn't going to get noodles on payday. And the next day he tried bargaining with me and said he could eat anything. I don't have any allies in the office and I'm the youngest person, so I don't want to have conflict and drama over noodles. How do I get him to stop bugging me about lunch? I don't want my lunch routine to revolve around him. And another thing, one time I said I was saving money so I couldn't get noodles and he offered to pay. When he was sending the money, he asked me, do you really need me to pay? So I said no, so I wouldn't sound like a beggar. P.S. Seen you three times and you were great every time. Much love, Sarah. Sarah, I know the type of weirdo you're talking about. This comes down to, first of all, you're 25 and he's 50. And I think you have similar jobs. Yeah. That's... uh, (sighs) Why do I get the feeling? And the fact that a boss is coming around to him at 50 and saying, do you need something to do? This guy is either grandfathered in, a friend of someone higher up, was part of the furniture when they rented the building. (laughs) This happens sometimes. This isn't an anti-man thing. And this isn't about older people, but sometimes you get, there's a certain strain of older man who, it's not that he's even flirting with you. He's trying to relate to you and he is obsessed with fairness. This happens sometimes. And you'll see this, Emily and I, and when this guy dies, I will reveal the name of this male and I put celebrity in quotes, (laughs) who is obsessed with the fact it's as someone that everyone knows, obsessed with the fact that he felt I should give him a job at one point, a job that I did not have to give. I was not in the hiring position and has harassed me uh, biannually, at least <laughs> for years. Yeah. I know what you're talking about. It's so tough because even to explain this to someone, it sounds so insane. He's try- What happened was he thought he was connecting with someone younger and cooler And then it is weird that you're like, do you want noodles? And he said nothing. I don't know what that means. Did you email him? Did you walk up to him and he just stared at you? You're 25. So I understand you being protective of your money. And this isn't a knock against you. Like your social awareness just isn't where it is. I'm not talking about online and politics. We're talking buying drinks for people. We're talking gift giving. We're talking social norms. Like those things aren't baked in yet because you just haven't been out in society long enough. And it's not a knock against you. I definitely didn't know. I remember when I was like in my early twenties, I had a boyfriend. I gave him a shirt. He returned it to get a different shirt. And like, I thought I should get the remainder of the store credit. And we argued about it. Looking back, he was right. And I know that sounds like insane to you, but like, there's just little things you don't know. And so the truth is it would have been a nice gesture just to get it for him. I don't know what you mean when you say he didn't answer. 
And you're saying like, I don't want to be in this thing where we buy each other food and I don't have money like that. And for him to talk about your education, now he feels slighted and probably embarrassed. And this happens with men. So he's getting extra weird. If you want to squash the whole thing, buy him the fucking noodles, be done with it and be like, and just put him on his desk and be like, we're even, you know, or just put him on his desk and well, don't say anything. And then he'll be like, you get noodles be like, yeah, I just, I felt like I owed you the noodles and then you owe him nothing and you're done. I mean, but it's, I think that won't be the end of it because like, so I, I think what's key here is like the moment when he said, okay, I'll pay. And you were like, oh, okay. And then he goes, really? And you're like, okay, no, never mind. Whatever. I'll pay. It's, he's lonely. But he's, he's lonely. He's trying to weird. buy. Yeah. He's always going to be awkward. But I will say this, the boss saying, hey, old noodles, yeah. man, do you have anything to do? That does not reflect back on you. That was right. He would have said, hey, you guys, hey, does everybody need more tasks? Yes. He directed it at that man to try to get that man away from your desk. He was trying to do you a solid. So you're safe in that regard. You stay. Yeah, your boss is not worry. Your boss knows the guy's a weirdo and is like grandfathered in or something. Maybe the guy's good at his job, but he's a weirdo. Start making other friends in the office. Start making other friends in the office. I feel like a lot of people, they're like, I'm trying to save money. Give or take $10. Like it shouldn't, you have a job. I, I think a lot of times it's about like saving money. Like we can't give a wedding gift. We're saving money. It's like you have some money. So maybe this is a lesson in uh, reciprocity. Everything you need to know is him being like, I'll buy them, which is even weird. Like, did he want you to go get them? Do the noodles once. Maybe it's a sidebar with your boss. Start bonding with other people in the office over what a weirdo this is. I had a job once and there was a guy who was like this old dog in our office who was basically a homeless person who was like old school friends with one of the owners of the company. So he was there all the time and he would sit in the place that I needed to sit in and he would be in there if I came in early, like making breakfast out of like break room snacks. And you're just like... And he had a daughter and like looking back, I'm like, this guy was down on his luck, but he was annoying and he didn't work hard. He was just there. Yeah. And so you're stuck as the younger girl. Like, why do I have to be around like your old crony? Ignore all of his emails and just, you know, say hi. Yeah. I don't need that. I'm just busy. Like just keep deflecting. That way, if he gets angry, you can be like, I don't know what you're talking about. Like, this is psychotic. You bought me noodles once and I didn't. Now you're like sour about it. You'll never have this conversation with him. He'll probably end up quitting, but it is worth finding out from the boss, like what's this guy's deal if it continues to bother you and start making those other friends in the office. Yeah. Hi, AIA crew. I work in an office of mostly men. There are about 20 of us and two of us are women. So of course, boundary setting is hard and they are completely oblivious to personal space. We do have a small office and my cubicle is right by the manager's office. Meetings tend to file out of his office and unfinished conversations happen to stop right at my cubicle. Today, I was eating lunch and four managers stopped and just started asking me questions about a project I was working on. I just glared at them before moving to my coworker's desk, huffing and puffing my way there. Typically got to be passive aggressive because if you say anything, you're a bitch. They then took over my office where I was quietly eating my soup, recovering from a sickness. I felt so walked on. I need a response for when I need space in my office. Should I put a piece of tape down and tell them not to cross it? They are laying me off next month and I do, they are laying me off next month and I do need the money. So I don't want to be too over the top, even though my patience is dwindling and I'm about ready to scream, get the fuck away from me. How else can I handle this? Thank you and Emily for the constant last advice. Much love, Anonymous, who is sick of the shit. 
Well, can you eat your lunch outside? Yeah, it Just really take is. Your lunch 10 feet outside? Yeah, if you are if in a place... You're not going to change these people and they're just going to be like, this is why we're laying her off because she's mean. If they can... There are some people where when they see you, when they get eyes on you, they want to talk to you about work. And it's not right, but they don't respect lunchtime. They don't respect... Like, even this, though this is... You have to get out of their cone of vision. You have to get out of there. You have to go outside. Yeah. You have to do that. You have to go outside. And like, I appreciate you. Like, I went out of the room. They're just... That's in their blast radius. They're... Because they're working. And you're eating at your desk kind of says like, I don't want to take this time. I'm just working through this. You could, I think you're less concerned about what they're telling you and the fact that they're telling you something at all. You don't want to be spoken to while you're eating. So unfortunately, you're just going to have to go outside or go into a bathroom stall. But uh, I don't know that you have the clout or the leverage or the power to be like, I will get to that when I'm done eating. Because they're thinking like, oh, there's our friend. We can just stop and chat with her. You know, it's not really a defined boundary. And they're wrong for that, but you might have to take control of this one. Right. We have a follow-up. Red Hot Update. Yes, I live for these. Give me what you got. Update from I'm Smiling and Being Nice, which was the episode title. Hi, Eliza and crew. Hope you are all keeping well. A few weeks ago, I emailed a show about my girlfriend, my dementia, and me. Wow, that reads like a Hallmark movie. <laughs> anyway, you might remember, I do remember for a change that I mailed you for advice about my relationship and neurological disease. Well, Wait, my girl- if, if it was a book, <laughs> you should call it My Girlfriend, My Dementia, and Me. Also, I Have Dementia. <laughs> okay, fine, go ahead. And the recap for anyone who doesn't remember is basically this person ha- is, you know, losing their memory. They have a neurological disease and they have a wonderful supportive girlfriend and they're like, oh, what do I do? I'm going to- wreck things with her. And we were like, just take it day by day. Your girlfriend's supportive. So my girlfriend and I went away for a weekend recently. She gave me a promise ring. Irish tradition, next step is engagement and promise that together we will battle this stupid neurological disease with laughter and be serious when we have to be, which was sooner than we thought as I ended up in hospital with another lesion deciding to live rent-free in my noggin. But As I was in hospital, she arrived to visit me wearing a t-shirt that said, yes, I am your girlfriend, playing the track, remember me, I'm the one who loves you. Uh, Daft dance track from the naughties. Please find attached a couple of photos of us. I just want to thank you for your advice and for the heads up about the venue. Vicker Street is a much better venue, I think. (laughs) Now, are you playing at Vicker Street? Yes. Okay. Chrissy, P.S. If you want a non-tourist trip around Dublin, we're glad you show you some great spots. Okay, and then there are pictures of this very happy couple. Are you going to give me a tourist trip, Chrissy, if you can't remember any historical facts? Chrissy Chrissy says, I don't know a thing about Dublin, but my partner does, or so she says. <laughs> well, I love that. I love that you had the guts to write in, and I love that you're letting this woman love you, and I'm so sorry for what you're dealing with, but that's incredible that you're able to deal with it, not only together, but with grace and laughter. So... We could all take a page from that book. Yeah. You're lucky. I mean, well, no. That's nice. Yeah, maybe not lucky, but it's nice that you have that perspective and that girlfriend. Good for you. Yeah. And we'll see you in Dublin. Yeah. Okay, this email's title is The Wench in the Stench. Hi, Eliza and Emily. I'd prefer to remain anonymous as the situation isn't exactly glamorous. I'm at 24... Female, dog lover, longtime fan. 
My parents are the nicest people in the world, but their weaknesses show when it comes to taking care of their house. I've long since moved out, so I'm more asking for their sake, but here's the situation. They have two elderly rescue dogs, one of whom came from an abusive environment. I love these little dogs, but because of their ages and situations, they can't be house trained at all anymore. It's gotten to the point where they've ruined all the carpets and hardwood floors, and the house just has a horrible stench. I've done everything I can think of, bought doggy diapers, gotten quotes for waterproof laminate flooring, tried to clean the house myself, even suggested they just sell the house and start from scratch. My parents give up on each of these solutions, and I think my dad specifically is in denial about how bad the problem is. To the point where I get sad coming home for a visit because I can't imagine how they live like that. My dad is so proud of the house that they raised us in, and my mom seems to cope by trying to ignore the problem as much as she can. How can I help them solve this without just making them feel worse? I love them no matter what their house looks or smells like, but in my heart, I want better for them. I suggested a waterproof luxury vinyl laminate flooring that would allow them to have a clean house and the dogs that they love, but my dad is convinced that replacing hardwood with laminate would decrease the value of the house. I think he truly doesn't know how bad the situation has gotten and that hardwood in this filthy condition is so much worse. I'm afraid it would break his heart to tell me how I truly feel. My mom breaks down crying if I bring it up, so I know how unhappy she is with the house. She just doesn't think she has much of a choice. I live out of state, so it's hard for me to come visit without staying in their stinky house. Thanks for taking the time to read this less than pleasant question and for lifting my Wednesdays with the sort of blunt advice everyone needs to hear with appreciation always, the wench in the stench. I think they can put the laminate over the hardwood. That way when you do sell it, it's like, by the way, there's hardwood here. Then isn't there just wet, smelly hardwood under the laminate? Don't we need to do just like an overhaul? I don't know how houses work. Um, this is tough because they know there's a problem, but they love these dogs and they don't smell it because they live there and you don't visit often enough. When you do, you want to be with them. And you, it sounds like you kind of already have the come to Jesus. I don't understand why the doggy diapers don't work. I wonder if it's, I mean, here's the thing. Look, it's, it's tough. I've had a dog that was just constantly going to the bathroom inside. Um, you're having to change them. If these dogs are going to the bathroom multiple times a day, like if they're not keeping up with the changing them, it's like, then it's running out the bat. Like it just, it's, any of it takes a lot of time. Is it a trip to the vet? Is there a medicine that could fix this? Some sort of renal medicine? Um, It might be, it might come down to when I visit, I need to stay at a hotel and we can visit otherwise, but the house is disgusting and it's not safe. And maybe you need to just flat out say that. I know you love the dogs, but I can't come visit you because you're living in filth. And I appreciate that your mom's going to cry about it, but we have to be adults and talk about this. So either the solution is you visit and you stay somewhere else or they do something about the dogs or you can teach an old dog new tricks. I mean, that being said, Tianfu barks every time she hears something outside the door and I can't get her to stop. So I'm no better than you. These dogs could live a really long time, but... This could be a problem that takes care of itself in the next five years. That's a lot though, Emily. Like that's a lot of time. That's not, yeah. Um, I, there's a, there's a, and, there needs to be a reality check here about the fact that he thinks that hardwood floors soaked with dog urine and little dog shits is gonna sell for more money than a floor that is new. That's wild. But, all, but also that there's that. And it's like your dog can go to the bathroom on a hard service. You just have to clean it up. So are they not cleaning it up in time? That's what it sounds well? like. 
it sounds like your parents are just kind of like settling into being like this older couple that has these disgusting animals and the animals are their lives now and they don't really like have any hobbies. So I think you need to have a serious come to Jesus. Be like, I need you to either, it's tough because he could get those floors and then they still kind of like don't pick stuff up. Sometimes when you're living in it, you truly don't see it. And it might take you saying, I can't come over anymore because it's too sad for me. Like as sad as you are about these dogs, mom, like I'm your daughter and you are picking them over me and I'm trying to help you find solutions and you don't seem to want to do it. Might be worth having some tough words with your sweet parents. Yeah. Yeah, it's sad. This show is sponsored by BetterHelp. It happened to me. I didn't think it would, but it happened to me. I had a nasty bout of postpartum depression. Now, there's nothing to be ashamed about in talking about what you're dealing with, and there's nothing to be ashamed about in talking about it with someone. I definitely saw a therapist these last couple weeks because, you know, I spend my time giving advice to others, but I could use a little advice myself. If you're thinking of starting therapy, give BetterHelp a try. It's entirely online, designed to be convenient, flexible, and suited to your schedule. I'll tell you what, when you're already stressed or anxious, the last thing you want to do is battle traffic and sit in a waiting room and get your parking validated. I'm sorry, is that just an LA thing? You don't need to add all that. You can just sit in the comfort of your own home or a chair you like outside and you can talk to someone from BetterHelp. Just fill out a brief questionnaire to get matched with a licensed therapist and you can switch therapists at any time. No additional charge and it doesn't hurt their feelings. Get it off your chest with BetterHelp. Visit betterhelp.com slash Eliza today to get 10% off your first month. That's betterhelp, H-E-L-P.com slash Eliza. When you ask someone what language they took in school, usually it's like with an eye roll. They're like, mm, French. It's like, do you speak French? No, I don't use it. I feel like a lot of us had difficulties learning a language in school. Rosetta Stone is here to change that. It's available on desktop and it can be used as an app on your phone or your tablet. Rosetta Stone are trusted experts for more than 30 years with millions of users and 25 languages offered. Rosetta Stone immerses you in many ways with an intuitive process and you can pick up any language naturally, first with words, then phrases, then sentences. Plus, with Rosetta Stone's true accent feature, you'll get feedback on how well you're pronouncing words. That's right. You might even fool some locals into thinking you're one of them. It's like having a personal trainer for your accent. I headed to Mexico City for a little vacation, and I used Rosetta Stone to brush up on my Spanish. Just a few things, few verbs that I knew I had forgotten, and I was better. Mejor. Don't put off learning that language. There's no better time than right now to get started. For a very limited time, Ask Eliza Anything listeners can get Rosetta Stone's lifetime membership for 50% off. Visit rosettastone.com slash Eliza. That's 50% off unlimited access to 25 language courses for the rest of your life. Redeem your 50% off at rosettastone.com slash Eliza today. Hey, Eliza, Emily, and crew. This situation happened a few years ago, but I never did find out what was going on and would love your hot take. Hot takes. I, female, 37 at the time, matched with Matt, 40, on Bumble. We realized we worked together as teens. We also found out that we lived in the same neighborhood. I am very attractive and was with my ex-husband since I was 21. I have a good job, own my own home, and a nice vehicle. Matt was attractive. He also said he had a great job and owned his home. We planned a date at a pub later in the week after work. The day of, he messaged me to see if we could change the date to drinks at his house. I said I wasn't comfortable with that, so we planned to still go to the pub. 
When I was leaving work, I told him I needed to shower and change. I wanted to know if he wanted to drive together since we both lived so close. I said he could pick me up or I could pick him up. He told me he was already there. I met him there and we had a great date. He walked me in my car and I asked which one was his. He pointed to the one right next to mine. We kissed and I left. I now realize I didn't see him get in his car or leave. Oh, boy. We planned a second date a few days later. The day of, I got a text from him. Pick me up? Question mark. Something came up and I had to reschedule until the next night, but didn't like that Matt would be okay with me picking him up, even though I did offer for the first date. We constantly texted each other and he was super sweet and talked about us possibly going on trips together and having me help him decorate his house. The next day rolls around nope. and I'm done. There is no house. Nope. He's, he's not even a real person. You saw a hologram. I presented him with the same options for getting to the date. He opted for me to pick him up. Something just didn't feel right yep. about that. So I told him, I don't he think he lives this- with his parents. He lives with his parents. He doesn't have a house. He's homeless. He lives with his wife. But so- okay, keep explaining what you already know, why you know what you already know. Go ahead. Something just didn't feel right about that. So I told him, I don't think this is going to work out. He wrote back, okay, then immediately deleted me off of Facebook. Didn't question me on why or follow up at all. You would think you would want to know why or figure things out. Just gone. I don't feel like I missed out or anything, but something was not right. So I cut it off. I'm in a happy relationship now and I don't feel like I missed out on anything with this guy. It just perplexes me. Is this something like your good on paper situation that I saved myself from before it happened? Or do you think there's something else going on? Thanks. Love all that you do. Another Chrissy. Chrissy, another one. Another Chrissy. It's one of two things. Either this guy is super like live and let live. It's whatever. You know, there are people out there that are just like, you don't like me. That's okay too. Like, I'm not going to push it. Um, And I, part of me wants to say he maybe wasn't that into you except for he was bringing up trips, which is why I think he's a liar. This guy either has like horrible credit, lives with his parents, is married or uh, like lives with someone because it's premature to bring up trips and helping you decorate his house is one of those things that men with no money will say. Like, I've got a house. When you're ready, like when you're worthy, you can help me. I have all of this money. I have everything. Oh, everything that you have, I have as well. Mm -hmm. You just can't see any of it. Mm -hmm. So you dodged a bullet and he let it go because you were like sniffing around, asking questions. Yeah. Uh, You went to high school together? They worked together as teens and lived in the same neighborhood, supposedly. Yeah, you don't, you guys, you don't know this guy. Mm-mm. Like, he says you work together as teens. He said, like, some, it, you know, it doesn't matter. Assume he's lying about everything. I would have fun. I would get a glass of wine and do some light internet stalking. But mm-hmm. usually people like this stay off the internet um, because of that reason. So good for you for dodging that bullet. And, and identifying that stuff right up top. Yeah. Because anybody who's normal would be like, oh no, what happened? Oh no, I, I'm i happy to pick you up. And the fact that he said none of that is so bizarre. Good for yeah. you. Yeah. yeah. Please you. update us when you find out what happened. <laughs> Dying to know. Hello, pod gang. First, let me say I'm a huge fan. I love listening while I work or clean. And I bought your books on Audible because I wanted to hear your hilarious inflections. I loved both. I've been watching and re-watching all your stand-up specials. I am the online special education teacher that wrote in about my mom and then my coworkers. Thank you for always awesome advice. I also sent an update about my daughter, but it may have been lost in your switch from DMs to email. Probably. Uh, I will start there. My beautiful baby girl 
Saffron passed away last year at four years old. She was having an asthma attack. And while I was giving her a breathing treatment in my lap, she turned blue and died in my arms. They were never able to revive her. Oh my God. I can't imagine how horrific that was for you. Yeah. As you can imagine, my husband and I have been through so much losing our one and only child. And my issue slash question comes about my sister-in-law. Let's call her Amy. Amy has been very cold to my husband and I since the death of Saffron. She has three kids. The youngest is the same age as Saffron. We went out to dinner as a family, which included my husband and I, my other sister-in-law, her husband and their three kids, Amy's family of five, and my in-laws for Amy's oldest son's birthday. She was angry the entire night, being very standoffish to everyone, especially my mother-in-law and father-in-law. Amy kept insisting to the waitresses that she wanted herself, her husband, and her three kids on a separate ticket. My father-in-law is the type of person to always buy dinner for the whole family, especially on birthdays. He always has, and Amy knew he would, as it was his grandson's birthday. Well, when she found out that my father-in-law snuck the payment for the entire dinner bill, she lost her shit. She literally grabbed her youngest and stormed out of the restaurant, leaving her husband and two older boys. We were all pretty taken aback. How could someone be so ungrateful? My dilemma is that I really want to be in her kids' lives. I used to work with Amy's oldest son when he was younger as he has ASD. Her baby always tells me how much she misses Saffron and how that's his best that's her best friend. It absolutely breaks my heart how Amy has chosen to act, always isolating her kids from the rest of us. This episode of the restaurant was sadly not that surprising given how she doesn't care about anyone else. Do I have to completely write her off the stopping all contact from her kids? Not that we have had much since Saffron's death. Amy and her family left the first heavenly birthday for Safi in April two hours early, which is the last time we saw them all together. I will sometimes see her kids at my mother-in-law's house if she drops them off there. If it was just Amy and her husband, I wouldn't think twice about cutting them off, but those kids deserve so much more. I would love to hear your take on this. Thank you for bringing me joy during the worst part of my life. And then she shared a very sweet picture of Saffron and says, hashtag rock... Rocks for Saffron, hashtag Saffron Forever 4. Oh, my goodness. You know, I think obviously part of you, I mean, you work with children, you obviously have a very big heart, and there is a part, uh, I'm guessing, having zero experience with this, but as a mother knowing just how, I actually, not even, but just I could, I don't know what to say. I think there's part of you that it helps heal you a bit. Not that you will ever recover from this to be close to these kids because it's the closest to your own kid. These are still your family and they're young kids and her memory lives on in them. And it's incredibly selfish that no one else in the family is getting that, encouraging that, and that this woman isn't getting that. I think you keep doing what you're doing. She had some issue with the grandpa. She's, it's either she's a slacker. He said she doesn't pay for stuff. There's a reason she didn't want that. It has nothing to do with you. Mm. None of this has anything to do with you. All you can keep doing is being the aunt to these kids. And I would pull them aside and you let them know. You know, it, it. you let them know, like, we're always here for you. We want to take you out for your birthday. You send them cards. You send them calls, texts. If you ever want to come over, take a break. You keep letting, you don't put down the mom, but you keep showing up for them. And it's unfortunate the mom has to be there too and engage with them and you do whatever makes you feel good with them. 
and let the mom spiral out on her own. And it's really sad that she can't adjust her attitude around you or be there for you in any capacity. And them leaving two hours early, it's, it's almost inexcusable. I mean, to our question asker, if I was them, I would never be nice to anyone or anyone's child again. The fact that our question asker and her <sighs> husband are out at the family dinner engaging the with these kids. The fact that you could do that. And the mom of those other kids is just like, eh, like leaving. Ugh, it just, some Which, people by the way, you can't. Like, you're still allowed to be annoyed at your kids and be in a bad mood. Like everybody has their separate lives, but you just focus on those kids. Yeah. And you're not trying, like, you're not trying to do anything other than like manage and still have your family because it still makes you feel good. Kudos to you for doing that and not completely turning away. Those kids are an extension of your daughter, at least in your mind. And that's valid and that's important. And what you're, the connection you're wanting with them is wholesome and fair. You're just trying to be a good aunt. And you would have been that way even if she was alive. So keep doing that. This is about you, not her. Yeah. Fuck her. How's that feel? <laughs> For real. Pretty good. Pretty, pretty good. One of the few clear-cut villains of our question asking. Yeah, for sure. Oh, geez, I'm so sorry for your loss. Even saying that is like not enough. Oh, my goodness. Yeah. I am dating my best friend's brother. We're just going to do a hard 180. <laughs> I did a... Was, Dearest Eliza, Emily. Well, this show yeah. is all about highs and lows because we can't, it's not a therapy show and these things are sad. And I think as listeners of the show, we all get sad together and now it's time to go back up. And yeah. ultimately that is what comedy is. Yeah. You can't have the highs without the lows. Not that we've used you. Thank you for writing in. But I like that we have a show that has peaks and valleys. I, I will say that kind of writing in with that, you know, it means a lot for someone to trust us with a question that is very close yeah. to their heart like that. And not as much as we my love goodness. anybody saying, is my friend a bitch, you know, as the, well. the question is really, is my sister-in-law a bitch? And the answer <laughs> is yes. Yeah. The answer is yes. <laughs> Dearest Eliza, Emily, fluff pup, baby and all. You and Emily rock. Thank you for being so awesome. I have a rather unique situation and I would greatly appreciate your advice on how to proceed I, 33 female, am head over heels in love with my boyfriend of two years, and we have a lovely, healthy relationship. It just so happens that he is the younger brother, 36 male, of my former best friend, 41 female. She and I have been best friends for almost a decade when she introduced us. Him and I hit it off right away and wanted to go out. I checked in with her every step of the way. I want to hang out with your brother. Is that okay? Go for it. Think your brother's cute. He thinks the same of you. I kissed your brother. Cute. And so it went for the first months. We spent Christmas together. It was swell. Then, maybe a year ago, she suddenly came to me telling me she was very uncomfortable with her brother and my relationship. She had been uncomfortable in the very beginning. I would have happily distanced myself from him. But at this point, we were already very much in love and moving in together. In the years since, she has become increasingly irate and obsessed with how the two of us dating is ruining her life and her family. Let me say we don't do any PDA and we give each other ample time alone with our respective friends and families. In the past year, she has had repeated, quote, talks with us. And both of us try to work with her to figure out what makes her more comfortable, but she won't accept anything short of us breaking up. Now she has officially cut me out and does not want to communicate or respond to anything I say. The talks that she has with him end up being pretty nasty exchanges in which she cuts him off, says terrible things about my character, and mocks him when he tries to respond. She says that knowing we are dating is triggering some old trauma that her and I originally supported each other through. But 
Instead of looking for therapy, she lashes out at him. It is breaking both of our hearts because she was so close to us both for so long. He is realizing that their relationship has probably always been unhealthy. The first time I saw them interact as siblings was shocking because she was really controlling and judgmental of him. She now cites stains on my character that are blatantly untrue, changes history by denying certain events, and brings up old grievances that she never talked about to my face. She seems to be angrily obsessed with this topic whenever they're together. She won't talk about anything else with him and says she feels abandoned despite his efforts to support her. He's a quiet guy and measures his words carefully, so it'll be hard for him to get a word in edgewise. She uses abusive tactics every time they talk and won't respond to any messages I send her. I want to send her more messages that are either extremely angry or conversely calm and communicative, but I know this would probably only come out negatively toward my boyfriend. It's been so frustrating. Any insight would be appreciated. Thank you, Billy. Billy, you're 33? She, Billy is 33 and this friend is 41. That's exactly right. This friend is 41 and single. You are 33. So you are young and younger than her. Not just in a happy, healthy relationship, which by the way, any happy, healthy relationship you would be in, she would be unhappy with, but you're in a relationship with her brother who she saw as her property. So she didn't pay it any mind, but then you guys were serious. And now any little thing she thought of you, whether she thought you were slutty or she thought you had poor character, these things are amplified because you are now dating the guy that she was dating. This also sounds like some sort of, I can't diagnose it, weird mental disorder, but the fact that it is, she's this incensed by it is all about her. And unfortunately, she's becoming like a charity case. Like we're both trying to work with her. It isn't like you did anything wrong. No. And so I, you know, it's like you've given her chances to be like, what is it exactly? And she's saying you guys had some weird trauma together. Did you? Are you leaving that out? Did something happen? Did you sleep with her ex-husband? Like, did something happen that you never talked about? It really just seems like it became concrete that you were going to be the important one in his life. And it's a bummer. And this happens with women because you both could have been great. You both could have been important in his life and you guys could be doing this together. But she doesn't like the competition. This is on her. She needs to get over it. I hope you guys get married despite her. (laughs) Yeah. Don't you think? If she can't. What's your name, Emily? (laughs) I I could see being jealous if I felt like my friend was being taken by my brother. But at this point, they've been, they moved in together. Like she needs to get on board or like get out of the way. There's just, it might suck, but she has to come to terms with it in her own way. And you guys have done everything you can to help with that. Unless you're just awful. That much older. And this was her brother. This was her best friend. Yeah. Or you are awful. And there's that. And she's totally in the right. And her question's up next. (laughs) If you thought freeze that lobe was bad, wait until you hear rip that clit. Hello to Eliza, Emily, and Scotty and supporting AIA crew. Family show. (laughs) I was listening to a couple of episodes from earlier this year. I've been compelled to write in with my own related horror story. For context, the first story that caught my ear was when Eliza spoke about how her earring backing got stuck inside of her inner ear. And that prompted a fan to write in on the next episode. It was discussed how the same had happened to her six-year-old daughter's ear. She had to have her earlobe frozen to have the earring removed from her daughter's ear. Bet you can't guess where this is going. Ten years ago, 
I was going through a divorce and I was ready to get back on the horse, both figuratively and literally. I'd always thought clitoral piercings were super sexy. Oh my God, you ripped your clitoris on a horse? I don't think Having sex with a horse (laughs) that you divorced? No. No remorse? (laughs) While listening to Marin Morris? Of course. I never had the guts to even consider one, but hell, I was going to keep going. I need you. Hell, if I was going to. Your skin isn't porous. (laughs) Okay. Hell, if I was going to let anything stand between me and my sexy single self. I got my glorious, beautiful self up on that piercing table, gripped my teeth, and let my woman power course through my body as I got my piercing. I went home and I couldn't stop looking at it. I was so excited. The next day, I couldn't stop looking at about it and thinking what? about it. I could not wait until I could show it off. Well, by day three, I went to Notice, check on my... P- <laughs> Notice how she says, I couldn't stop touching it. <laughs> Does not say can't. that. Oh, my God. Okay. See. Well, oh God. Oh by day three, I went to check on my piercing, and the ball on one end of the barbell was completely underneath the skin. I tucked on it, but the skin had already healed over the ball to the point where it could not easily be pulled out. I had my cousin, 26 female, staying with me all the time, and I'm standing in my bathroom pantsless, panicking, calling her into my room. She came in and literally tried pulling this tiny barbell out of my vagina and could not. We debated on taking me to the ER or the tattoo parlor and ultimately landed on the tattoo parlor, which they were able to remove the piercing. However, we're unable to provide any type of pain reliever, so that was fun. Ultimately, I did not decide to re-pierce my poor delicate flower, as I believe she has been through enough. And if a man wants her, he can appreciate her for the beautiful peach that she is. So, what's with these metaphors? <laughs> <laughs> Wait. So, this has nothing to do with literally horses. No, I think they just meant like when you talk about ride a cowboy. No, that, that, that this is, is literal. Not literal. It's all metaphorical, which you really <laughs> ran away with at the end with the peaches and the flowers. Um, that's horrible. It's so horrible. That that happened. And that is worse than getting an earring stuck in your middle lobe. Yep. You win. <laughs> I know. Are you, you happy to win? Horse lady, you win. Jesus. We had another follow-up that I just thought was interesting. Well, not even follow, uh, follow-up from an unrelated Wait. party. Yeah. <laughs> what if like it was your clit? Like what if you were like having an orgasm as she's trying, the cousin's trying to like help you. Take what, it out. That's if, a re- weird family dynamic. That's I'm going to say Christmas. this. If a cousin, if a relative was like, come in here and help me with this, I'd be like, no, I'm not. You can go to a doctor right now. I'll drive you to a doctor. I'm not helping you. It's not happening. Good. Thank you for making your stance clear, Emily, in the event that that <laughs> Don't happens. Don't ask me. You hear that, Emily's twin? When you pierce your upper vagina... Don't come poking around asking your twin sister to put her hands on you so it feels like you're masturbating. Oh, Yep, God. I said it. Oh, I don't know why. This is the worst episode ever. It's dude podcast hour. <laughs> That's what this is now. Energy drink protein. Oh, how small the world can be. Hey, Liza and gang. It's Jen. You can use my name. Avid listener, a second time writing in. I don't have a question, but an uncanny feeling I may have witnessed the overseas wedding referenced in the September 6th episode titled That's Unevolved. In the episode, the question asker was speaking about a friend's wedding abroad in Italy. She'd mentioned they were Irish, but also from Australia. The wedding was to occur in early September. I really wish I knew where that wedding was because I was in Italy on vacation, the region of Apulia, and during one of our dinners, I witnessed what looked like a great party below. A man was singing karaoke and having a ball. As I was videoing the experience, a few Irish gentlemen walked up behind me and told me that they sadly had to claim him. 
Upon speaking, I could tell they were Irish, and they said the party was the last night out for the group that attended a destination wedding in Italy, and they were Irish-Australian. How crazy would that be if I had witnessed the last night for the same group mentioned by your question asker? Small world. Also- That is a small world. (laughs) Super bummed I didn't get to see you in Grand Rapids. I had tickets to see you there two days after my trip to Italy, but they were bought by my now ex, so I didn't get to go. Worst bottom of the cub ever. Love y'all. Thanks for making me laugh every week. That is a bad bottom. My question, why were you filming them? Maybe is this just, just the like, society we live in? I mean, yeah, it but is. it's this like surveillance society. Like, so I was filming these total strangers who were unaware and having a drunk time. I thought this was going to end with, and I captured someone pushing someone off a balcony. I wonder if it's the same wedding. Uh, but yeah, that is a small world. Ooh, I want more of those. I want more of like, I am the coworker she's talking about and I love noodles. <laughs> and she's a real crazy person. I, That's what we want is worlds colliding. People need a way to ad- identify each other in public as Ask Eliza listeners. We got to get merch made. I mean, that's the that's what it falls we gotta down get to. Biodegradable, light up, pointy hats that you can wear to show that you're a fan, like a dunce cap. Yeah, that is what I was thinking. <laughs> but biodegradable and light up. Hmm. That's so fucked up that you used to have to wear one of those if you like maybe had ADD in like the 1800s. They're like, here's your idiot KKK hat. Now sit in the corner. (laughs) So weird. It's so shitty. (laughs) A dunce cap. I feel like Gen Z doesn't know what that is. Oh my God. You're right. I bet they don't. Yeah. Because it's like, where did we pick it up? You know, like just around. Just probably cartoons written by older people. Mm. Yeah. Yeah. Why else would you know? We'll bring back the dunce cap. <laughs> top of the cop. Tip of the crib. It's the top of the cob. You're doing it right every day. You just take a bite. Top of the cob. Okay, I got to go bottom of the cob first so I can do my top of the cob. Okay. My bottom of the cob is... Oh, come here. Noah wants to contribute. Noah just came in fully shorn. Like no mustache, no beard. He does this. When I met him, he was like this and he came in. He thought I wouldn't notice, but I do. And I thought there was a burglar in our house, but it's you. Come here. <laughs> I, they can't hear you at all. So you may as well come here. Let's put it on the record. We can always take it off. Okay. You volunteered. You came into my space with your freshly shorn face and you just looked at me and you were like, I've got a bottom of the cob, but I don't know if you want it. Well, I don't know if you want this bottom of the cob, but it's all the way at the bottom of the cob. <laughs> Yes. Is it? Is it a present for me? So, we uh, we've had uh, some some plumbing issues in the past, literal plumbing <laughs> issues, not a euphemism. Um, with uh, uh, and we've had to have like the the uh, the sewer lines replaced at our home due to old bad pipes from before our time here. Anyway, uh, one of the things we were told is that it's very important to uh, you know the old the old phrase: if it's yellow, leave it mellow; if it's brown, flush it down. Water conservation standpoint, it sounds like a great idea, but not great for the toilet because when when toilet paper sits longer, it expands and it starts to become a, a strain on the pipes. Oh, is that what it does? I always thought that they were just like, just do it. And I was like, this will be good. It'll get the toilet paper soft and it'll go down easier. I didn't know it expanded. It's the same reason you don't put pasta or rice down the garbage disposal. Um, <laughs> People know that? It's things that expand with water or not should be should not be put down the disposal. Anyway, or oil for that matter. It's a separate cut. Co- conversation um anyway we were out of town uh doing the old uh uh tour as you go on from time to time when i sell books and anyway uh i came home 
You're probably going to have to cut it. But I came home, uh, used the bathroom, just like shower, shave, things like that. And I believe you perhaps have used the toilet since you came home. Well, boy, did it require plunging. (laughs) So I come out fresh faced for a brand new world, clean shaven, showered, shampooed, conditioned. And now let me just splash this poo around for a few minutes. Did you stay to make sure it, it, uh, you, you, did you secure the rebound? Sort of. I had to go to the bathroom so badly after a day, just like a lot of horrible traveling. And I went to the bathroom and I flushed it. I was like, that's a weird noise. So I lifted the seat back up and it was gone, but there was just like some like murky, like pee and like a little bit of toilet paper in the bowl. But Hunter was here and we had to finish editing. And I was like, I'll just come back to this later. Are you saying it came back up? I'm saying it was it in there, so up. I went. I didn't see it. It didn't. It must have come back up. Well, no, there was. You said there was toilet paper and yellow fluid in the <laughs> like as if it flushed, but then like the liquid came back. But there was there wasn't a turd to be found. Well, why? What would prevent the liquid from toilet paper from going down? Something blocking it. So then you go back and you flush it. I did flush, and then I just I literally had to do this edit so I could do the podcast because we just got home. And I was like, it'll just go down. I thought there was something. Sometimes you flush and like the toilet's being weird is making weird noise. So you're saying it came back up. And especially folks at home, uh, when you go out of town, it's important to, you know, your toilets need to be need to be serviced. So if you, if any of you out there live in a giant creaky old mansion with lots of bedrooms and some of them don't get used, go around and flush toilets every once in a while. And also don't leave toilet paper in there. And uh, anyway, so this is a public service announcement and my personal uh, from off the top rope, bottom of the cob. And uh, anyway, back to the show. <laughs> I left a cob in the toilet. Anyway, have a, have a nice rest of, your, rest of your time. Well, you look nice. Thank you. Freshly shorn, ready for the world. It was, we had a 17-hour delay on a flight today. And it's a lot of, a lot of mask over a beard, and it was getting frustrating. <laughs> the fact that you were wearing a mask? No, okay, we'll leave it alone. Key times. I wear it. Key time during lovemaking. I wear it it when you're around it. Okay. Okay. I don't wear it the whole time. Counter argument. I don't wear one. So if I get COVID, you're going to get it. That's not how math works. I'm going to start wearing masks again because of the COVID spikes in LA. Yeah. And I did. And then my mask got dirty. So I didn't have one coming home. So I didn't wear one. Yeah. So some of us do the right thing, even when it's not convenient. (laughs) Some of us flush, even though we have to stay a little bit later and flush. It's the things we do in the dark that my husband has to deal with later. <laughs> That's the Under Armour slogan. Okay. Uh, anyways, before I was so rudely interrupted. My uh, bottom of the cob. I'm going to do all mine at once. So let's do, do Emily, it. you're not allowed to talk about a bug. I really, I had to deal. I had to, yeah, no, I had to decide not to do various pest things. So. Mine is only tangentially animal related, but it's more a feeling, which I know is what you really want. My bottom of the cob is, okay, Rizzoli kicked an iced coffee onto my computer and it's less the cat doing it. It's more that moment when you go, why didn't I do something different? Why did I leave my coffee there? Why was I working on my computer at that time? Why was it, you know, you're just like, oh, why did I like reflect on every choice you've ever made? You sound like someone in an abusive relationship. Like, it is the cat's fault, 
And instead you're like, why did I wear that? Why did I upset him? Why did I complain? Like, listen to yourself. (laughs) But it's the same thing whenever I've gotten into like, uh, like if you hit something with your car and you're like, I didn't even need to go out today or you know what I mean? Like where it's just- Well, that's a silly thing to do because that's like, why would? what about all the positive things? But I do have, I get it. No, actually, I don't think that way. That's crazy. (laughs) It's crazy. Okay, and the fan bottom- when I realized how much single-use plastic and just straight-up trash and waste a hospital goes through, one-time-use sterile Oof. items for procedures are, of course, super necessary, but the amount of things I throw away every day as a nurse is wild. Sometimes I feel like the world is already hell in a handbasket, and I don't know how it can get worse. Love the pod, Courtney, in Hawaii, but really from Texas. Courtney, I feel you, and I remember at the beginning of COVID how they were like, oh my, because no one was allowed to leave their houses— Dolphins had come back to Venice and waterways were clear and nature could breathe. And it was like, get ready for this tidal wave of plastic. And it's only gotten worse. I get hospitals, of course, uh, use too much movie sets. Everything because of COVID compliance is in a plastic cup, a plastic thing, a plastic... And sometimes when you go to restaurants, they use a new pair of latex gloves for every single salad. And I'm like, you're not touching the ingredients with your hands. (sighs) It's just corporations trying not to get sued, trying not to spend money. I posted about that on my Instagram, how I am completely over the fetishization of plastic. People don't even realize every time you fantasize about like, my fa- I want to go to Home Goods, get a Stanley, go to a Starbucks run, and restock my kids' mini fridge with eighteen different kinds of single-use fucking corn oil. You are glamorizing single-use plastic. All of these people who call it self-care to restock their purses with single-use everything from Amazon. You are directly contributing to the breaking down of this ecosystem. It's not about like, oh, so I can't use plastic and you can't. It's about like, you do not need 50 wet ones and like a plastic reusable tongue scraper and individually wrapped gum. And like, it's just all of this stuff that's marketed as like helping clean up, helping detox, helping clean out your house. Like you don't need any of this. You don't need this much of it and you rarely need single use. And this goes for people who don't fucking do dishes in their own house. It makes me cringe. Okay. My top is when you are asked to weigh in on something and you actually have good insight. Like when someone asks you like, oh, like, I mean, this is specifically at work, but I think in general, like if someone's like, oh, you know about this and like, what's your take on this? And you're like, oh, well this. And they go, oh yeah, exactly. And nobody argues with you and nobody else. They're just like, we trust what you've said. Feels good. Yeah, you want to be that person. You want to be that person that just hangs back and sinks it. You're like, well, analytically speaking, data-wise, <laughs> exactly. And then our fan top of the cob. You're gonna really, you're gonna like this one, Eliza. My top of the cob is when the very last bite you take of a meal is the most delicious one, and you get to sit in exquisite food happiness for Ooh. a little bit and just savor it. Extra points if it's your breakfast and you get to start the day on such a yummy note. Mac. I love a yummy note. Yeah, I guess that's the reason you should save all the good parts to the end. But I say eat the good parts first. That's what and I do. And then come back for the bad parts when you're still hungry. Yeah. Yeah. And your guard is down. Okay, my bottom of the cop is we had that 17-hour flight delay that was so delayed 
we had to sleep at a hotel near the airport. Fine. Life could be worse. It was fine. It was a Courtyard Marriott. Totally fine. I stay with Marriott a lot. Okay. This morning, we are getting Sierra and Tianfu ready to leave. And I will tell you exactly what happened. I was walking out of the bathroom and I let Sierra hold Tianfu's leash with Tianfu attached because she loves to do it. I don't let her do it outside because the dog is very strong. So I walk ahead of Sierra and Tianfu, of course, is right next to me. And Sierra is maybe three feet behind me. And I hear a crash. (gasps) And I turn around the full length mirror that was attached to the wall. Apropos of nothing, we were on the other side of this tiny hallway, crashed down between me and my daughter. Oh. Onto the leash. It was, I will send you a picture. It was seven inches away from Sierra's feet. And I just stood there. I couldn't believe my good luck that it didn't touch her. She didn't even bat an eye. She didn't know what had happened. Glass shattered everywhere. And it's just like, what, what is that? It's one thing if your kid is banging on a mirror, but we had just come out of the bathroom and this was against the wall. So you could walk out of the bathroom and see yourself. And so you're thankful that everyone's okay. And you can't believe like things like this happen all the time where like people are dying, horrible things are happening and you are missing things narrowly. So I went downstairs to say something, uh, really just to tell them like, you guys have a lot to clean up in room 1202. Yeah. And up top, I was like, I don't want any money or anything. I'm just letting you guys know. But even in letting them know, you're hoping for like ultimate contrition because that (laughs) could have been deadly. The woman in charge was really sweet about it. And the man who was the manager kind of didn't really ever make eye contact and kept typing and said, sorry, but so that's my bottom of the cob. But I guess my top of the cob is I left that and I left this 17 hour delay thinking about, and I'm glad that I'm able to have these thoughts. What are you really owed? We live in America. So we live in a society where it's like, "Mm, this small inconvenience happened. I need to get money. And sometimes you are entitled to something for being inconvenienced or for obviously for being hurt. In other countries, you get hit by a bus in Europe, like eh, not suing anyone. It just kind of is, but the state takes care of you. Because we live in such a pressurized society where people don't make enough and they don't have health insurance and things are so expensive and labor is so hard to come by. All these things that add to this, people, when they see a faceless corporation, they're like, well, what can I get? And I get that partially because- as we've seen with this uh, Delta rule change recently, they don't value us as customers. And so I wrote in on the Marriott Bonvoy app because I wanted someone to know. I I don't want anything, but I was afraid that they would say nothing. And like, I don't want this to happen to someone else. Weirdly, I thought I was talking to a robot on the app. It was the manager at that hotel. And he emailed me privately And I wrote back, I was like, I have to be honest, I thought you were a robot. Thanks for, he's like, I comped your room for the night, which I think is more than fair considering that that happened. And I was like, thanks. I just wanted to make sure that 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 this incident made it to somebody who would want that intel. Right, because if it's, what if it's that they hung them all up with the same glue and it's been seven years and it's dried out in every room. It's like, hey, just in case this is a structural thing, just somebody should be aware. Yeah, and I reached out, 
I was trying to reach out to someone at corporate, like through the app because, and I was using words in the app, hoping to trigger a human response. So I was saying like, my daughter almost died, glass shattered. I'm going to email your CEO because sometimes if you use certain words, like I have a friend who had an Airbnb and someone died in it. She was like, when you call Airbnb, you get connected to like someone in India. But if you say a guest died in my home, you automatically get connected to Dave in Iowa. Right. So I guess I was just trying to like, like get past this robot, but who knew it was actually the manager. But the truth is, he's like, I come to room, but even if he hadn't, it's like the stay was perfectly pleasant. I always stay at Marriott's. And so it kind of just made me think, and even with this delay, it was such, like we had bought really expensive tickets. It was such a monumental fuck what had happened. So they gave me X amount of miles, but the truth is there is no type of compensation for things like, oh, we don't have this, we don't have milk on this flight. Oh, we don't have blank. Like you're not owed anything for the most part. And my top of the cop was that realization of like, being okay with that versus this like American thing of like, I need to get something for my troubles. What about me, man? I'm just like, well, well, you didn't want the plane to break. You didn't want to lose the money. And like they offered us a credit. Like sometimes it's like, look, we offered you a fair compensation. You don't get to gut us for this. The other side is corporations think you're a joke and it's your fault for spending money. But I like that I, it was calming for me to just be like, yeah, I don't really need anything for this. I don't feel like I'm entitled to anything. That's all. Right. That's very often in the legal advice subreddit. People are always like, oh, could I sue for that? What could I get for it? And everybody's like, what were your actual damages? What damages did you face? None? Then you get into emotional distress, which is, you can't quantify it. Punitive damages. And these are all bullshit things. Where it's like, are you going to therapy? Are you going to have them pay for your therapy? No, you just want them to give you $100,000? No, that's not happening. (laughs) It's like, you inconvenienced me. I lost a full day of my life. So you- Gave me X amount of thousands of miles. You paid for my hotel. Okay. That's all you can do. Yeah. I'm glad everybody's okay. How did Tianfu react? They both were just like, okay. (laughs) Just chill. What's funny, it smashes and your immediate thing is, do not move. Like yelling at her. Like, do not move. Do not pick up anything. She's like, what? That's how you know you're a real adult. When someone, when you're the one picking up the glove. (laughs) (laughs) This weekend, I will be at the San Diego Civic Center, Arizona Federal Theater in Phoenix, and then Ball Arena. So excited. We have some very, uh, oh my God, some very special surprises. One very special surprise uh, coming out that day. Yeah. And uh, we're excited. So if you can't go, post about it. Tell your friends to come on out in Denver. Or any of those cities, but Denver's going to be great. I even suggest you fly to it. And as always, remember, when you leave coffee near your keyboard, always remember, it's going to spell. Okay, we need to get better at these. <laughs> Start clean with Clorox, because Clorox delivers a powerful clean every time. Because messes happen. Because... Hey, listen, remember how you told me to toss those takeout containers before we left for vacation? And you were like, I'm serious. If that leaks over the counter, it'll be a slimy abomination by the time I get back. And I was like, yeah, 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 of course. Don't worry about it. I won't forget. (laughs) Well. Ooh, yeah, that happens. So start clean with Clorox. Use Clorox products as directed. Rinse after use if in contact with food surface.
Life is a highway, and on it there will be many chicken sandwiches. But there's only one McCrispy, so go ahead and hit the turn signal if you know about this juicy gem of a detour.